You. Yes, you. Don't I know you? If that is what you were thinking when you saw my face, then hey, welcome back to the show. And if you have no idea who I am, then my name is Colin, and this is the Product Uncensored Show. This is the show where we talk about all things product with product people, focusing on Southeast Asia, and say it with me now, at least most of the time. Believe it or not, right, this is already episode six, How Time Flies. If this is your first time, you know, please feel free to check out our other episodes on YouTube. And if you're into podcasts, please find us on Anchor, Spotify, Google, and Apple, along with most other major uh, podcast platforms. There will be a link in the description that will tell you all the available podcast platforms that were available in. Also, if you haven't done this already, please subscribe, follow, and like so that you will know the very minute we actually uh, release our new episodes. And finally, I have a question for you viewers and listeners. Where the ladies at? Do you know that both the video and podcast show analytics um, is telling me that there is a strong male audience viewership? And I'm wondering, why you females know like me? Am I not pretty enough for you? Hmm? Okay, that was incredibly cringeworthy, but you know, sometimes you got to change things up. So on our special episode today, because every episode on this show is special, we are doing something different. Yes, again, we have a guest from Hong Kong on the show. And yes, I know that Hong Kong is technically not Southeast Asia, but it's in the vicinity. Okay, so cut me some slack. All right. But this is a very special guest and I'm so excited to have him on the show. He's an entrepreneur. He's an amazing speaker and he's also the director of product management at GoGo Van, Vincent Chan. Welcome to the show, Vincent. Hey, Colin. Thanks for having me. It's my honor to join this show. Yeah. yeah and uh, first off, I just want to thank him um, on behalf of all the listeners and viewers as well, because he's actually in the midst of doing, you know, some really, really heavy lifting for some product work. Um, and he took some time out just to be on this show. So thank you very much for that. No problem. Okay. So I, I wanted to start by actually asking you a, a question, actually. So yeah. what my first job, right, um, I worked in a bank. I worked for um, Standard Chartered and I'm not sure whether you know, but Standard Chartered, one of the biggest markets for them is actually Hong Kong. And yeah. I noticed that everyone in Hong Kong that I spoke to, they all spoke with this very sing-song-like um, way of speaking English. And I'm just wondering whether that's <laughs> still the case now. Like they would go like, oh, Vincent, uh, it's so nice to meet you, you know, <laughs> and it's, it's always going up and <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think that's just a Hong Kong style English. Yeah, yeah but yeah. It, it, yeah, it's, I really, you know, it amused me for very long. And until today, you know, yeah. even when I speak to people from Hong Kong, it, it's, it's, uh, it amuses me. Um, but that's the interesting part uh, about you, though. Um, mm -hmm. You don't really have that accent. And I'm uh -huh. guessing that's also because you actually studied in the US. Right. Um, yeah, that's true. Yeah. Can you tell me a little bit about, you know, um, about, this will be a good start about mm -hmm. how you went from Hong Kong to, to the US and then, yeah, we'll continue from there. 
Sure, no problem. So, so I guess my story start in around almost 20 years ago already. So around 2002, 2003, when Hong Kong was still experiencing the SARS, uh, the virus things. So oh, I, I read a book called Build to Last. Uh, so it's a book about how to build lasting company, not just for some quick win. So I was inspired by it. And then I, I decided to uh, uh, pick the entrepreneurial uh, path. Uh, but because uh, at that time I was still in Hong Kong, that, uh, I, I think that if I really want to build a world-class lasting company, I need to learn something uh, in the United States. And I think my, my family was uh, fortunate enough to give gave me such an opportunity to, to uh, study there. That's why I, I took the full advantage there. And then that's why I went there. I uh, actually lived in Silicon Valley for three years uh, before moving to Los Angeles. So uh, if you look at my LinkedIn profile, it's, it's true that I, I work at a bank uh, after graduation, but that was not my plan my plan was always start my own company but uh at that time um since my sister was still in college and then uh there were no uh startup so-called startup visa so there was no clear way for me to stay there uh if i want to start my company immediately that's why i i, I got an offer at the bank and then uh, stay there for two more years but i think uh during that time, uh, most of my time was spent on startup things. So I was very excited when I, when I leave work so that I can uh, go to do some free internship at some popular startup there. And then I also went to some university to join some startup community events so that I got some mentors there. So it uh, prepare me well after I can move back to Hong Kong and start my own company. So uh, banking was never my intention. <laughs> uh, so it was just a, a step towards my goal. Yeah. Oh yeah. So basically, the 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 job at the bank helped you to pay the bills, lah. Yeah, and helped <laughs> me to stay in the U.S. for a little bit longer. Okay. Okay. So yeah. I, I don't know. And one of the reasons why I'm like super excited to have you on the show is because, um, honestly, while I may have spoken to a few Hong Kong people, I've never actually had an in-depth conversation um, about number one, um, huh? product management in Hong Kong, and number two, mm -hmm. um, the culture in Hong Kong. So the sure. culture here in in Malaysia, right? And, and we always generalize it as this is the typical Asian parenting style. Um, they mm -hmm. they seem, and this included my parents as well. They seem yeah, to yeah. hold Western countries like you know Australia, Canada, US, Europe. That is like the yeah. gold standard for education, and yeah, yeah, yeah. and usually for 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 good measure, right? Uh, sometimes mm -hmm. the parents and even your relatives will tell you, ah, you go and study there lah, and then you don't come back. You you know you just stay there. Um, yeah, in yeah. your case, um, you actually studied at the very prestigious UCLA, um, uh -huh. and then after that, you you came back. Um, the as mm -hmm. came back as in you went back to Hong Kong. You were just yeah. telling us about how you know you, after work you would try to go to meetups, entrepreneur meetups, uh, get mm -hmm. internships at startups mm -hmm. and things like that. Mm -hmm. Why why didn't you decide to continue staying there rather than go back to Hong Kong? Was it because of the startup visa that wasn't available uh -huh. then? Yeah, I think Star Visa was one of the factor, but I think uh, a main, a more, a bigger factor is uh, continue with my story of reading the book Built to Last. Mm -hmm. One uh, story was about Sony, the Japanese company. Uh, it talked about uh, around many years ago, uh, made in Japan was actually not. Uh, has the same meaning now. It's, yes. it's more like making China now. The quality was not that good. But the founder of Sony actually took that as a challenge and then tried to uh, 
fly to US and then uh, took a lot of the uh, engineering equipment and then went back to Japan and then tried to transform it into a style that is uh, even better than the US one. So that at the end, he, he built a brand or a company so big that it can represent or transform the impression of the whole country. I actually was quite inspired by that. And, and I actually hope that eventually, if, if I have a chance to start my own company, I really want to build a company that can represent this place. Uh, pretty much like Shopify can represent Canada, Atlassian can represent uh, Australia. Australia. But of course, since... This kind of countries was not famous for startup or tech company. It would be very challenging, uh, but but I guess that was always my my dream. Uh, of course, uh, it didn't work as I expected, but but that was my intention in the very first place. Yeah. Okay, so you were hoping to sort of go back to Hong Kong, get involved in the startup scene, be an entrepreneur, and yeah. basically you know make something that would put yeah. Hong Kong on the world map as well. Yeah, 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 yeah. Very, very noble, very noble. So you actually did that. So you went back to Hong Kong, and then you became the founder and CEO of. Am I pronouncing this correctly? Primitus. Uh, Primitus. Yeah. Primitus. Okay. Yeah. yeah. So, so tell us a little bit about Primitus. Okay. So uh, I came back around two thousand eight. Uh, right after the Lehman Brothers uh, uh, things, um, so the the market was extremely bad, and then uh, <laughs> oh, yes. Uh, I tried to uh, raise a small run of money from some angel investor from the financial world, which uh, was is kind of my friends that I, I knew for a long time, so that I have some small amount of uh, angel funding to to start my own company. So and then I joined some. Uh, uh, incubator program in Hong Kong, but this is very, uh, extremely different from the Y company one. Uh, the Hong Kong one only offer you an office, so that uh, you don't have to pay rent. Um, so and then I I I, I met my co-founders and built a small team up to around seven to eight people, and then in in that period I I. We built a SaaS product, which is in the uh, human resources uh, recruiting space. Uh, we actually got some award from uh, a Singapore startup conference as well. But I guess, um, uh, as you may know, SaaS is a really tough business model in the early days because uh, yeah. the subscription fee is very low. You need to have a certain size in order to make it sustainable. Uh, so because of our funding was not really that big and the startup community was extremely unmature 12 years ago, there were simply no VC uh, in Hong Kong at that time or uh, even when they were uh, they were here, they only look at opportunity outside of Hong Kong. They just right. live in Hong Kong because of the living standard that they'd like. Uh, but usually they would just fly back to China or other Southeast Asia company, uh, countries uh, uh, during the work week day. So, so at that time, I, I, my co-founder and I was uh, in a dynamic that whether we gave up or, or just keep building the product. So and then at the end, we, we decided to self-fund it by doing some uh, consulting project. Uh, so 50% of our staff work on consulting work, 50% of our staff work on internal product. So uh, I guess uh, it was a very uh, good experience, even though it, it, we work like hell. I, I slept at 3 a.m. almost every day. Uh, but at that time, I, I, were, well, I was able to wear multiple hats, uh, basically everything non engineering were done by me including marketing design front-end coding uh, fundraising and, and sales so so during that three years I, I was able to grow very very fast uh, uh, much faster than 
the time I spent at bank doing mm-hmm. some boring work. So, <laughs> so, uh, so, but at the end of that, uh, those three years, uh, I just talked to my co-founder, uh, saying that was this something that we really uh, intended to do in the first place by doing so those boring consulting jobs uh, to sustain the company. Uh, and then our answer was no. Uh, that's why I decided to shut the company down and then try to uh, go to others winning uh, startups to, to learn f- uh, from them to so that uh, if I have a chance to do it again in the future, I will be much more well prepared for that. Yeah. Okay. So okay. that's pretty, pretty much it. Yeah. And if I were to take a guess, I mm-hmm. would imagine that the Primitus website, the About Us, was probably written by you. Yes, yes, yes. Yeah, because because you you were talking about the principles from you know Steve Blank and Eric Ries, and like wow, this is incredibly very product centered already, even for a startup. Um, sorry, can can we go back a little bit to again? Um, you what was the the book that influenced you? You said was built to last. Um, and then you talked about uh, the customer, the the one that was by Steve Blank, and then the the startup. Uh, the, the, the startup book by Eric Ries as well, right? Yes, yes, yeah. Where startup. where did you yeah, sorry, the lean startup. Where did you get the um yeah, where did you find these books immediately? Because so I'll uh, give you an example, right? So like uh, for myself, right? I, I didn't hear about, you know, lean or agile until yeah. like twenty ten. And this and by that time I probably yeah. spent more than five years in the bank. I'd done my own thing, my own startup, sort of a startup for two years plus. Yeah. So how did you hear about you know the these authors in the first place? Sure, sure. I guess this was the source was always from that build to last book. So after I read the book, uh I got the uh, it, it curious me about it basically opened my eye up to the whole new world. And then after, uh, I, whenever I read something that I didn't understand in the book, I would just keep Googling it. And then at the end, when I had the chance to go to Silicon Valley, whenever I read something on the book, like Steve Blank or other stuff, I would basically try to meet them in person. I actually met Steve Blank and took a picture with him. And wow. then uh, I, I also, I, I think I have a habit to try to learn from the source, the best source uh, that, uh, that I can, I could reach. So uh, when I uh, live in Silicon Valley for seven years, I, I, I think I took full advantage on that one so that even though I may not be able to build lasting relationship uh, with most of those uh, mentors, but by having some conversation with uh, some of the uh, world-class entrepreneurs there, I, it, it basically uh, make me think that uh, anything is possible because when you... Mm. I was living in Hong Kong when I read the book. They, those people are so far away. They're like celebrities that I could never talk to them. They're like uh, crazy superheroes. Uh, but, but I guess when I was, I had a chance to live there and then I had a chance to have breakfast or coffee with them face-to-face, it actually made me think that, oh, it seems like it's possible even for me to do something like that. Yeah, I okay. think that was quite important, yeah. Did you, like when you said you managed to meet Steve Blank, right? How, how did you meet him? Did you like go and cold email him and ask him, hey, would you yeah. like to have breakfast? Uh, Steve Blank is, I, I tried to talk with him after a, a, a seminar or event that he was okay. a speaker. Right. But for some other mentor, like uh, one CEO from a public company, I actually wrote code email to him for seven years. 
pretending to, uh, I am a reporter that I want to re uh, do an interview with him. Uh, in fact, I was just a student and then his assistant keep rejoining me. <laughs> and then until seven years later when he actually sold his company and then he, he took the time to check the email and find out this guy keep sending email for him for uh, seven years straight. And then at that time he said, oh, maybe we should have a breakfast together so that wow. he talked to me. Yeah. Wow, that that is so so amazing. Um, yeah, so I think you know just just from from that part of the story alone, I think one of the things that is very underrated is just sheer persistence, right? When you want something, even if you don't have the means at that time, you know you got to try different ways. So wow, that that's I am just so mind blown. <laughs> Seven years <laughs> persistence. Okay, fantastic. Um, my favorite entrepreneur. Yeah. Okay. Okay. So, so then the interesting question becomes: So, you know, you talked about uh, Primitus, and you're saying that you know you guys didn't set out to be a consulting company, and in the end, you know, that was what was sustaining the company, and that's not the goal. You decided, you said, mm -hmm. to shut it down. Yeah. Then you moved to One Sky. Yes. Um, when you were moving to One Sky, um, you went in as a product manager, right? Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Yeah. Were you already targeting the product management role, or yeah, how how did that job come about? Yeah, I think at that time I was still not very sure what product management is, uh, but. I guess everyone read about uh, product managers is like a mini CEO of the product. So I guess, <laughs> okay, I was uh, the CEO of my own company for a while. Maybe I, sh I'm, I was suitable for this job. So that uh, I, I just proposed because the, the, the founder of one guy was actually my friend in the startup community. So he, 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 he know I could do uh, product and product design stuff. So he gave me a chance to, to practice my work there. Yeah. Okay. So All I right. think it's an accident. Yeah. So you actually propose that, you know, you be the product manager for, for their company. Yes. yes. Okay. And by the time you left, how many product managers were there at one sky? I think when I joined, it was still very, very small. Uh, the whole company only have around 12 people. I was mm -hmm. the only, P I, I was their first and only mm -hmm. PM because previously it was just done by the founder, uh, uh, like many other startups. Yep. Uh, but after, uh, after I, uh, when I left, we have around five, uh, four to five PM. The, the team actually grow very fast in, in, uh, within those three years. Yep, fantastic. And of course, the question is then, how did you grow the product mm -hmm. management team from a team of one where you were the, the first person? Yeah. Uh, yeah. Not only the first person, right? This was also your first product job. And then yeah. how did yeah. you build it to, to be a team of five by the time you left? Okay, so I guess this this was mainly driven by all the demand from the customer. Because uh, at, at one point that there's so many feature requests and 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 bug reporting that uh, uh, we I, I couldn't really handle it by myself. And then at the same time, the company had some new initiative to tackle new areas that probably we are. Uh, 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 required uh, standalone uh, time and attention uh, to pay uh, on, on that one. So, so it was actually uh, organically evolved. It was not really like it, I want to have a 10 p.m. team then so that I go uh, higher 10 p.m. So uh, I guess it was basically uh, based on the demand uh, so that uh, whenever we have some new initiative that, uh, for example, because one sky not only is, was a SaaS product, it also is a marketplace to connect between a translator and, and software engineer. So um, when we 
in the very beginning, I take care, I took care of both sides. So, but when the company grow to a certain stage, we thought, oh, maybe we should have a standalone PM to handle the demand side, one PM handle the supply side, and that's what's how we uh, organically uh, evolved the team. So, okay. so that was pretty much it. Yeah. And by the time you left, you were leading that product team. Is that right? Yes. Yeah. yeah. Okay. So, what were mm-hmm. the what was the what were some of the teething problems that you faced when you were trying to build the team, and then when you became, you know, that this that is the point where from one removed, you are now suddenly mm-hmm. two removed from the product, yes. right? Because yes. now you are managing the product management team. Yeah. 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 I, I guess uh, when I first joined One Skyline, I mentioned it was a very small team, and mm-hmm. we had uh, some traction, but I would say it's like a weak. A product market fit. So at that time, uh, the product manager's uh, role actually cover many things. I actually help work on some marketing stuff as well and, and design work. So that in a way, I, I, I still work kind of like an entrepreneur so that whenever uh, 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 areas that I think I could contribute, then I will help work on it. But of course, the product side it was the, the, the main focus. Uh, but And then when the team got bigger and bigger, um, um, it's true that I will be a little bit more far away, but I guess the the, the main uh, growing pain at that point was uh, uh, when you only had uh, one PM, one designer, and a few engineers, you can actually, you don't really talk about process or structure at, at all. You just uh, just uh, behind uh, and then just <laughs> check the, to the person next to you, right? So, so, so it was quite easy, and we didn't really have that many documentation kind of stuff. I believe we were still using Google Doc. We don't didn't even use a project management tool in the beginning. But then uh, later on, because of the team getting bigger, the, the customer base got uh, bigger. We gradually moved to Basecamp, and then eventually Jira and stuff like that. So, because uh, when we Try to scale up the team. You will find that the, the communication, the collaboration, got into a lot of issue. Because uh, when you got the early team member who helped you to get the first product market fit, uh, they actually earned the trust with the founder, senior management. Right? Uh, so it was quite hard for them to uh, um, uh, hand off to you and other team members to do the stuff that they were originally doing. So it was that uh, 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 transition period to do do things more systematically and try to evolve the culture, I would say that was the most challenging part. Uh, Teaching junior team members to do product work was Oh, it's not easy, but it's kind of obvious, uh, trivial in a way because uh, there's so many best practices outside. But the, the people dynamic, how to uh, tra- uh, transform the company from one stage to another stage, from a culture point of view, from a process point of view, I think uh, personally, I thought I think that was the most challenging. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And that theme would come back mm-hmm. to you again when you went yeah. to GoGoVan, right? Yeah, yeah. Okay. So wait, wait. I'm, I'm, I'm sort of teasing for that now. Um, well, actually, what I wanted to ask you was, um, when you decided to move from One Sky to GoGo Van, mm-hmm. um, was it because, um, yeah, what was the reason for you moving to GoGo Van? Yeah, you should ask it okay. as a question. So, so when I joined One Sky, one, uh, one factor that I, 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 I really uh, like a lot is, uh, it was winning. And then my own startup was failing, so that I think I hope I can learn something inside. And then uh, 
I, I conclude in my startup that one, two major factor that caused our failure was product uh, and also marketing, basically the uh, go-to-market things. So in, in one sky, I, I got the chance to do a lot of uh, growth hack, hacking stuff, content marketing, SEO. Basically, I think I was uh, okay prepared at that, at, at that level of the startup. And then after I spent almost four years there, I, I thought that my marketing skill was uh, okay enough at that stage. But what if uh, eventually if my I really can fulfill my dream, I need to be able to contribute in a much bigger level like a unicorn or after IPO, those kind of stuff. So that's why I try to find another opportunity that can provide me a platform to uh, solve that kind of uh, scale in terms of different, the, the same, even the same problem in different scale is uh, totally different. So that, uh, and then one more bonus was that uh, Google Wang kind of uh, representing Hong Kong already. So in a way, it's my dream. Uh, the founders uh, are leaving my dream. So I, and then uh, I also had a friend working uh, here at that time. All the problem that he shared with me, I felt that I had the uh, experience and capability to solve it or had the chance uh, uh, to figure it out for them. So that's why making the uh, opportunity even more attracting to me. And then uh, after I checked with all those founders, I think that it was a perfect fit for me to uh, continue my journey in the next stage. Yeah. Okay. Did, did you yeah. know the founders of GoGoVan? Because they were apparently students in California as well. Yeah, actually, no. They were already like a celebrities in Hong Kong. But I think, and I think some of our years actually overlap in the States, but I never met them. Okay, okay. So it wasn't because you already knew them that there was some connection there. Um, okay. One of them actually went to the same university as well. Oh, wow. I, I never met him. Yeah. Okay, okay. He wasn't a celebrity back then. <laughs> okay. So, yeah. Um, so one of the things that you actually shared um, at, at the, the PMF um, APAC, mm -hmm. and I think mm -hmm. you've also written about this in, in Medium, mm -hmm. was about transforming yeah. product culture at GoGoVan. Um, yeah. From what, what, what you're saying about how you ended up in GoGoVan, it sounds like you already knew that that was the problem even when you went in. Yeah, yeah. So okay. um, like I mentioned, uh, before I joined this company, I, I had a chance to talk with my friends who was working here at that time. Uh, all the problem and challenge that he, he mentioned to me was exactly the things that I was experiencing at one guy, uh, but it's in a different scale. So at one sky, I already had a chance to solve part of the problem. It was not totally solved uh, before I left, but at least I had a chance to uh, be aware of what kind of what, what could be the potential root cause of some of the issue in, in, from a process or a cultural perspective. And that's why when I, I heard about the, the problem happening at Google around three years ago, I, I talked to the CEO and some of the senior management team there. I find that. Uh, the problem they were facing was exactly the same as what I was facing at One Sky. That's why I proposed some of the uh, potential solution to them, so that uh, they gave me a chance to to come here to fix the stuff uh, that, that that they were uh, facing at that time. Okay, yeah. and yeah. when you joined, um, you were in charge of the product team and QA as well, right? If I'm not mistaken, product design, QA, yeah. Okay, so uh, when, when you came in, were you like expected to be like Mr. Fix-It? Like, you know, okay, this is Vincent and he's going to fix our problems. 
Um, yeah. Yeah, I think I think the CEO made an announcement in the town hall that this guy was coming in to fix all the shitty things that <laughs> the whole company works. Because because uh, at that point they were in a very interesting uh, stage that the company business rise was going very very fast, but at the same time they also uh, had a big challenge on the product and engineering side because uh, 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 it's all those growing pains that I mentioned to you mm-hmm. earlier. They just was in a different stage and different scale, so. Um, uh, that's why uh, they were hoping to find someone externally to come in to fix it. So in a way, after he made that announcement, uh, there were was good and bad. Good is people knew what I'm coming in for. Mm-hmm. Uh, the bad is uh, people will uh, kind of feel scared of me uh, because oh, they actually didn't know what to expect from a new guy. Uh, and then they were not a small company anymore at that time. So there, so there's some uh, uh, crazy moment. Yeah. Okay. At, at that time, Google Van, what, were they only still in Hong Kong or had they already expanded yeah, to multiple think, markets? Yeah, they have. They were already in five markets. Yeah. Okay. Okay. So they, mm-hmm. And how big was the product team um, under you? Product I mean, team, the whole... Uh, including QA and, and designers. I think at that time when I joined only... 15 or 12 or 15. Yeah. Okay. All right. Not and, too big. Yeah. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. But it was also across multiple disciplines yeah, within yeah, the, yeah, the product development yeah, cycle. Yeah, right. Yeah. So um, I, I'm, I'm going to ask you about, you know, um, what did you do? Uh, but before mm-hmm. that, right. One of the things that mm-hmm. I actually wanted to ask you was because yeah. you studied at UCLA, your, yeah. your way of thinking and your mm-hmm. influences have mm-hmm. been, like um, foremost or for, um, or what's the, sorry, I'm lo- losing the word. Um, some of the foremost uh, thinkers of their time within product, like, you know, like Eric Ries yeah. uh, or, or rather in the entrepreneurial space, sorry. Yeah. Yeah. How much do you think that actually influenced the way you, you sort of went about fixing things in, in Google event? Do you think that played a part? Yeah, it played a big part because uh, it's, is because, like you mentioned, all of our founders uh, were from Silicon Valley as well. Even though they grew up in in in, in Hong Kong, uh, they went all went to the uh, state uh, for uh, college. So in a way, it was quite easy for me to communicate with them because whenever I I reference some of the material that I read, or is easy because because they know what that's about, and then and then also like this whole growing pains things. Uh, while uh, in, at least in Hong Kong, I, I know many friends and startup uh, experience the same issue. Uh, but in a way, it's not unique to Hong Kong, right? Yeah. Uh, it's happened multiple times in the history, even within Silicon Valley. So, uh, in a way, uh, as long as you can analyze the problem correctly, all the answer on how to solve those problems are actually on the internet. I actually. Uh, keep uh, after I, I, I dig out all the issue here I, I, I try to uh, find different uh, kind of solution but at the end I just search most of the problem in Harvard Business Review and also uh, the blog of Marty, Martin Cragen svpg.com yep. <laughs> basically these two websites uh, provide me all the insights on how to solve the problem here uh, at that scale at that time yeah Mm-hmm. Um, okay, and the, I suppose so the 
what I would like to ask following mm. that as well is, mm. so again, just this cultural, trying to check on the cultural similarities, right? So in Malaysia, yeah. right, we have yeah. this thing where we always say that, you know, if it's, a, if it's an Asian company, right, you know, mm-hmm. it's going to be like this very, very money first mentality. Yeah, um, very yeah, stingy. Squeeze yeah, the employees yeah. for every drop until they die because you're yeah. paying them kind of thing. Um, mm-hmm. But it sounds like you didn't have that challenge because um, number one, the founders were already people who studied in the States. And like you said, mm-hmm. uh, they were sort of influenced within the same sphere um, yeah. already. Did you face that kind of a challenge with, uh, you know, maybe a, a few people or a few departments within Google mm-hmm. Van that you needed to really sort of change the way they thought about work and about, you know, being a, a committed part of the team? Yeah, I think um, for typical Hong Kong company, they do have the problem that you mentioned. But I think for Google Van, uh, the reason I picked this company when 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 I interviewed it was because I, I find a way. I find that I can, there's a mutual fit in terms of culture that I can uh, uh, collaborate well with this at least the senior management team. Because for some other uh, department and, and middle managers. Of course, there won't be perfect fit in terms of cultures. Uh, if not, that that the code company won't got, got into that kind of issue. But I think uh, for those who may have uh, old school thinking, uh, I, I took the time to uh, communicate with them, especially during one-on-one, so that I can uh, gradually prepare uh, them for the potential changes that I'm I was going to bring in at that time. So I would say because of the key stakeholder already uh, was kind of desperate, I would say, <laughs> so that uh, they, they, they try many things before I joined, to be honest, mm-hmm. uh, but seems not many things work out uh, as they expected. So that's why at that time, it was uh, kind of perfect timing to uh, try something new, uh, uh, from this guy who claimed he knows what he's doing. Yeah. <laughs> but okay, yeah. so that, that's the interesting question as well because you said they tried things before and you yeah. were just saying that before that, right, basically mm-hmm. all the problems that, that you find, is, uh, they're not unique in that sense. Most yeah, yeah, companies yeah, yeah. trying to scale will have the same problems. So yeah, yeah. what do you think was the difference between you doing what you did in the implementation side versus yeah. everything else that failed previously? Yeah, yeah. I think... Uh, first of all, it's about trust. Uh, when I joined the company at that time, there was already big trust issue between department and between team members and senior management, uh, mostly on the tech side. The business side was uh, kind of uh, okay, uh, but the tech side, there was no trust at all because uh, whenever one side says something, the other side will second guess the intention. It was mm. definitely not healthy. So at that time, um, but the same group of people actually helped the company to get the product market fit and early stage growth as well. But one side decided not to grow as far as the business side because uh, if the team get bigger, like we, we just discussed, right, you may not be able to do the same thing that you did in the, in the beginning. But not everyone was... Uh, interested in solving those kind of problems. Uh, like uh, you need to do more leadership things, more management stuff, more structure, more process. It's not always uh, the cup of tea for most tech people, I would say. Was it, sorry, I um, wanted to ask, uh, sorry inter- to interrupt. Was it because like some of them didn't want to sort of leave the startup? You know, because like when you do startup, everybody's very close. Everybody's very, very 
communication yeah. is easy. Yeah. And when you start yeah. scaling, right, obviously, like you said, more processes involved, more yeah. things to yeah. do. And suddenly you realize that I'm more removed from the company. Was, was that one of the... the yeah, I think that, that was definitely one of the factors. Yeah, but I, I guess uh, people just tend to a uh, lot like change, right? Uh, if you don't really have a leader that can good, do a good storytelling to tell them why they should change, they will just think that you are disturbing me. I don't want to leave my status quo, stuff like that. But if you have the right leader to do the right communication, I, I find that even those, uh, we, we can basically change people's mindset if they think they know truly understand why those change can benefit themselves as well, then, then uh, I didn't really have that much challenge uh, doing that, that, that kind of uh, change. Yeah. So was that most of what you were doing, sort of like trying to do the storytelling of why things needed to change, how it was affecting the company? <laughs> yeah, I think, yeah, to summarize, it is like that. But I think in the very beginning, I actually start with listening first because I was the new guy. Why I really hate to do something top down. Uh, I'm not really a dictatorship kind of person. So I just try to keep in uh, pretending that I didn't really know how to solve this kind of problem. I have no knowledge at all. I want to open my mind up to listen uh, to all the perspective first because uh, even uh, at that point, I was only able to listen to my friend and some of the senior management team. Their side of story may not be everything, yeah. So I try to get enough information from all the key stakeholders and team members first. And then uh, uh, I, based on those signals, I try to adjust some of the plan that I already planned out before I joined the company. So that I make sure that, okay, I actually give them a, a, a preview of some of the changes. How oh, actually, how do you think about this if we change this and that? And to make sure that eventually when I make a proper public announcement of those change plan, most people will feel comfortable about it. And even for those who didn't feel com uh, 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 comfortable, they won't at least feel surprised. Uh, so that uh, I, I, I try my best to address their feeling first before I did a public announcement on some of the changes. Uh, but of course, uh, for the team members that who were the closest to me, especially the product managers, I actually gave them uh, uh, I usually was uh, more tough on them because uh, uh, I have a high standard on product managers. I told them that, okay, this kind of, this will be the direction this company is going to, to move towards in terms of product management. You either like it or not. If you significantly disagree about this direction, I would suggest you to leave. Because if the gap is, was too big, there's no way yeah. that I can uh, uh, change your, your, your preference. Uh, but if you are open up to become a world-class product managers and open up for me to coach you, mentor you, then I'm willing to spend as much time as I can to help you to move to the next stage. So, so I guess I, I actually treat the product management team a little bit differently uh, uh, versus the whole tech organization. Yeah. Right. And would you, how, how would I ask this question? Was there many uh, people who left? Like, what was there a significant uh, people cost to to the change, or was it uh, okay? I think for pro team, no one left until now because uh, while before I joined, some team members may 
think that product team was the root cause of, of a lot of the problem, or they may even think that the product team's people's quality was bad. But after I joined, I actually find out that uh, with the right leadership and with the right uh, coaching and development plan, they actually can do a lot better than people expect. Actually, uh, how those team members transformed in this past three, year, three, three years actually surprised a lot of internal team members. So that I will say that uh, before I uh, make a judgment, I, I would try to make sure that I, I truly understand what is the current situation. And then I will always give them a second chance before I really saw you do something shitty. So, yeah, so yeah, I yeah. guess uh, that was my approach. Uh, but I think uh, on the other side, uh, on the engineering team, uh, actually I think 50 to 60% of the people left, uh, but in a way which uh, we, because mainly because not necessarily all of them were bad, but they, keep, they joined the company because of certain culture. Uh, but when I came in, I, I said I need to do all the things properly, doing Agile, Scrum, Jira, because they didn't really have any of that before. Mm -hmm. uh, yeah. so, so, so people hate those process structures so that uh, gradually some people left. But I would say that in a way, we also find some uh, uh, a new uh, generation of our engineers who buy into this kind of culture so that it may it makes it make our collaboration much more smooth. Yeah. So okay. I would say that now the team is 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 two x or three x bigger than than I joined. Uh, but but I would say that uh, for the one who uh, like the culture that I brought in, most of them stay and and still very happy uh, working here. Mm, congratulations on that because um yeah i think that's really the kind of success story that you know people really want to hear right? you you start out to do something and, and you did yeah. it um when you embarked on this um uh -huh. i don't know transforming of, of product culture in that sense uh -huh. were uh -huh. the founders and senior management aware that you know there's going to be uh, a people cost to this in terms of like what you said right people who don't buy into it people who just don't right. want to change are simply going to to go and leave yeah yeah yeah, yeah. they definitely did because uh, um because in a way when i actually pulled a trigger to to do because uh, i think for the first month uh, it was like a honeymoon period for me uh, but after one month i tried to present my my plan on what kind of things that i saw was extremely wrong and then what kind of direction that I'm going to bring this company forward in the next six to 12 months. So, and then at that time, I tried to set the expectation right, telling them what would, could be the worst case. Like you mentioned, maybe many people left, uh, but what it would be the best case as well. Like the people actually adopt the new culture so that uh, we can have more product innovation going forward. I guess uh, I, I type, uh, normally I try to scare people first. So if they are okay with that, uh, then, then they shouldn't feel any surprise uh, no matter what happens next. Okay, Un under promise and over deliver, yeah? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> okay. <laughs> oh gosh, I just said that I totally lost. Oh yes, the, the, the question I wanted to, to continue yeah. is, yeah. What was the the first win that you yeah. think you put on the board when you yeah. started this transformation? Like, what what was the plan that you wanted to really show that things were improving? Yeah, yeah. So, in terms of change management, is a big topic. Probably one expert show cannot finish it. But for me, uh, 
many people think that change management will fail because they put too much focus in the angle. So like just keep fit. You you want really want to lose weight, but but actually it, it took forever. Uh, so I actually focus on the habits, the daily habits that these people are doing were doing at that time. So that I I, I start from the. Uh, uh, individual habits, the team habits, so that I gradually change the process and culture from there. So that I want to make sure, oh, you should actually talk to customer more frequently. You should pretend to be drivers to, to drive our vehicle outside, not just sitting in the office. Or some of those people should go to the uh, our call center to do take call with uh, uh, from customers. And then uh, even for engineers, I hope that I force some of them to talk with customers directly. Mm-hmm. And then on the other hand, uh, in terms of stakeholder management, how to do the airdrop process more properly, I try to introduce those kind of things uh, gradually, weekly, or on a weekly basis. So that I would say the first small win internally will be uh, able to adopt the the new process because before I joined they actually did deployment very infrequently like sometimes they could do quarterly deployment wow. uh, but, but <laughs> after one or two months uh, I think after one and a half month we uh, successfully transformed to do bi-weekly release at least so that it, it was already a big change uh, the reason that they did quarterly deployment was because they were really scared of what could happen after the deployment, it was like a bomb yeah. that can can go went crazy. But so, but I just told them how to manage the risk and control it properly, so that mm-hmm. they didn't have to be afraid of it. Then, then, then that was a big win for me. And then after that, externally, uh, we actually had the chance to revamp our driver app. Our driver app is very similar to the Uber's one that our van driver has to use it. So we took the first five to six months to ship the first. Uh, we ran the driver app using the, all the new process, all the new project management framework and tool. So in that way, uh, when the team or uh, the uh, office around the world, they, they saw the, the product quality and how we uh, structure the communication during the whole development cycle so that people know the latest progress, how we can ship things on time, how we do the pro- proper product marketing, messaging, and do the announcement. People actually... After that, people felt much more comfortable of this new direction and they gave me even more autonomy to do the things mm. that I needed to do. So I think uh, the internally and externally, we have two separate small wins. Yeah. Okay. So the interesting question is, um, because um, I've gone through a similar experience um, as you and, and also yeah. Um, yeah, had questions. So this is the question that I'm literally transferring over to you to get somebody okay. else's view. So yeah. a lot of the things that you mentioned, right? Like, let's say, for example, going from quarterly to, to bi-weekly to, to a more yeah. uh, frequent cadence of deploying. Yeah. Those yeah. are technically engineering practices, right? Yeah. So yeah, yeah, yeah. the question would be, why would a product manager get his fingers involved with engineering practices? Uh, I guess um, when, cause when I did the whole transformation, like I mentioned in the beginning, when I did the listening part, I actually talked to every single engineer as well. Mm-hmm. So that in a way they understood that I'm not a typical product manager that who 
didn't know anything about engineering. <laughs> so that they kind of gave me a little bit of respect. So that, and then I, I, I also tried to build a, a good relationship with the head of engineering at that time. So that I told them, okay, we, are, we win and lose as a team. Hmm. Uh, it's not like I can dictate anything from my side, but if you also agree this kind of problem and this kind of new direction that we should go, then we should work together so that uh, at, at the end, we, we got the buy-in from the head of engineering and all the tactics so that it made things uh, much more easier yeah, in that way. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Fantastic. Yeah. So mm-hmm. for, for those of you who have ever asked me this question before, this is uh, um, Vincent actually giving his uh, answer. Mm-hmm. And, and again, I think that's the interesting part about product management as well. Technically, we are a discipline on its own. Um, but in yeah. fact, a lot of things that we want to change, affect change or improve tends to yeah. touch other processes, other people, which is like what you said, right? That's why there's a lot of need to learn stakeholder management and learn about communication and learning about knowing when to be tough. Like saying, you know, like what you said, be tough with the product team. This is the way it's going to be from now on. And if you can't handle it, maybe it's just not the right place for you. And at the same time, being empathetic towards those who fear the change because they've never done it before. So that's, yeah, yeah, thank you so much for for sharing about that. Um, uh, Yeah, one of the interesting things I wanted to ask you as well is, in this case, QA in, in Google Van, QA falls under product, which is not yeah. very uh, not very common. Most QA functions fall under engineering yeah. Uh, yeah. or the techs. Yeah. yeah. How, um, how come? Yeah. There's no specific reason. It was it was already like that when I joined, <laughs> so I did I just didn't take the time to change it. But I think uh, one special things about our QA team is they actually help out on part of the Scrum Master role as well. So they handle some of the project management part with like release management, stuff like that. So that uh, it make a little bit more sense to work inside product team. But uh, yeah, totally agree. Because uh, we still haven't fully adopted uh, QA automation yet. So in a way, the QA engineering part, the actual automation part will be still done by uh, engineering team. But just the QA, the manual QA, and the one who do the Scrum Master uh, function will be on uh, my team as well. Okay. Okay. All right. So it's just that it was legacy, and then when you join, and therefore you just yeah, yeah, yeah. I didn't just think oh, because I, I asked them uh, whether you want to join, join the engineering team or pro team, and then they they decided to stay. Then I I just went with it. Yeah. Well, that's great, right? I mean, because that shows that you know they they trust you, and they obviously want to work under you. So that's that's so. that shows that you're a good leader too. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So um, the the next question that I wanted to ask you then is you know you've done you've achieved so much at Google Van right I mean mm-hmm. to to really be able to come out and say you know I joined and I've really helped to transform the product mm-hmm. culture and like mm-hmm. the, the 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 title of your topic was product uh, transformation uh, of product at scale um, yeah. so do you feel like you know this from here on out is going to be your your life's mission to be, you know, a product uh, specializing in transformation, or do you still harbor dreams about, you know, the entrepreneurial part of you that, that kickstarted you on this journey? Yeah, I think eventually I definitely will go back to the entrepreneurship route again. Uh, but I have two kids now. One is uh, four years old. One is uh, uh, two years old. Definitely not the right time to do this again. Uh, mm-hmm. but, but I think 
even uh, within the product management uh, 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 domain, I won't say that I have already achieved a lot because like the cultural transformation things is a never ending things. Even uh, I claim that in my article that I have fixed majority of the issue that this company faced three years ago. Now we already have another different group of problem that we need to solve for this particular stage of the company. So I, I, uh, in terms of this kind of change management, I think uh, one, one key part is never try to declare victory too soon so <laughs> that uh, people will feel comfortable that, oh, I can stay in this new status quo now. I would rather everyone be more cautious about, okay, whether this current process and current structure is suitable for our stage right now. If not, please speak out so that we can evolve the team together. I think this will be the challenging and also the most interesting part that uh, we never stay in one status quo and we always aim for as a team to try to find the, the, the best way for this company to work together. Because at the end of the day, if you work at a startup and you don't feel happy about it and you didn't really have a chance to make changes and, and help this company to scale to the next level, then why I, I, I don't join a bank instead? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. uh, yes, uh, unfortunately, the banks are really getting you know, getting whacked on this show today. So. <laughs> so, the, so if I were to ask you, like, you know, three years ago, you said you, you managed to transform the product culture mm. scale. Mm. What would be your biggest joy? Like, you know, if anybody would ask you, you know, this, this was your baby, right? And yeah, yeah. it was successful to a certain extent. Yeah. Yeah, what would yeah. be your biggest proud moment, like a proud dad in that sense? Yeah, I think the... Biggest proud moment will be seeing those team members grow and prove people wrong about uh, their perception to the same group of people. Because uh, I think after these three years, I really think the judgment to those people were very unfair. Uh, I think that uh, with the right environment and right resources and right uh, 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 mentorship, I think uh, many people actually can do uh, bigger and, and, and uh, more difficult things so that uh, I really, I think if you really talk about win or success after these three years, I really think that the, the, the fact that I was able to grow those people to a, to a different level, uh, it was my uh, greatest joy. I actually think it's even more than helping the company to, to grow actually. Because yeah. they, 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 I, I treat them like a friend, right? Uh, if like next year, if Google or Grab came in to, to steal them, I actually very happy. I will actually uh, celebrate together with them. True, true. Oh, don't, don't, don't say it too loud. Yeah, some Google fan people might be listening. So. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, but, it, but I think it's, it's true that to a certain extent, the, what we do in product management, again, just coming back to, to the discipline, it's yeah. not just about the process, right? It's a lot about the people um, as yeah. well. Yeah, I remember telling one of, at that time in my, my company, I was telling one of my staff who, who said, you know, he wanted to leave. He was so apologetic. I was like, look, there yeah. are going to be opportunities. And if you're going for a better opportunity, I would be super happy. What ma yeah, would make yeah. me super sad is if you are leaving because you don't like me or because, you know, I'm not good enough. Now, that, that will make me very sad, right? Yeah. So. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, because yeah. I think in a way, when you become a senior level of product managers, um, you no longer had the chance to touch the product directly, very uh, rarely. 
so in a way, all those product managers are my product. Yes. So that if I can grow this product, I will be uh, very happy. Just like how I grow my own product in the past. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and that is an, in, another interesting point. I'm sorry, I was actually meaning to go to another question, but what you said, right, is very interesting because this was exactly what someone else said. I can't remember whether it was on the show or whether it was on a, on a panel and, and that person was saying, once you become more removed from the product, the yeah. people that you manage are basically your product. But that is yes. also a double-edged sword, right? Because for example, right, let me give you an example. When you go for interviews that, uh, for a product leadership role, and again, yes. I don't know whether this is just confined to, to Malaysia or, you know, whether it's, mm. it's, it's mm. common to everyone. They mm. will always ask you about, you know, what is your biggest, um, what is your biggest uh, uh, achievement and things like that. And when you talk about the people side of things, then they ask you, what about the product? And I find that to be always quite strange because, again, once yeah. you're one removed or two removed from the product, yeah. you're not... The, the, the success of the product is as a whole, which is basically did the company do well? And of course, mm -hmm. if the company mm -hmm. didn't do well, then obviously mm -hmm. something is wrong. So yeah, it feels like, you know, when you're in product leadership, there's this double-edged sword. The people are your product. Yeah. You still have to worry about the actual product. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think my philosophy is I always measure the performance of a manager based on the output of those team members. So if I am in an interview like that, I will just explain to them that, it's true that I may not be the one who touched the end product uh, directly on a daily basis, but at the end, how I coach this PM, how I do one-on-one, -on -one, how I structure the process, road mapping, how to discuss with them on strategy, how to influence their product decision, I think those kind of things should be uh, able to help a company to get more impact. And, and, and if this particular company care about scalability, uh, they should know that these kind of things will help this team, this company to grow even bigger down the road because mm -hmm. uh, you, do, you are not trying to hire individual contributor, right? Because yeah. if I can do it, like manage things uh, based on objective rather than just micromanaging, I can manage an uh, even More. bigger team. Yeah. Yeah. Agreed, agreed. All right, so last question on this topic before we move on. Um, then the question I was originally going to ask is, so if someone, and this could be a, a, a product leader, someone in a product leadership position, or it could mm -hmm. be someone who is a product manager who finds that you know, the, the role that they're in requires things to change, what yeah. will be your advice to them? Like, you know, let's say, for example, let's say I'm, a, I'm an individual contributor. I join a yeah. product team yeah. Yeah. and I realize that things need to change. But yes. and I don't know how to go about doing it. How would yeah. you? How would you advise me as someone who has done it? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think uh, I also got this question quite often because uh, in terms of change management, is true that is harder to do it from a bottom up approach mm -hmm. because uh, the way I did it was still kind of like a top, top down. Uh, yeah, but but I, I just took more time to get more feedback uh, uh, in my top-down approach. But for the people who are maybe in a more junior position, I would say that first, you cannot give up. And then you try to gather your tribe by finding other people with a similar mindset within the company. It could be your team member, it can be uh, someone from another team or, or someone uh, from the senior management team, stuff like that. So, and then you try to gather this so-called early adopter so that you guys can, can get it together and, and then brainstorm how we should uh, do the communication and convince the CEO or, or the senior management team that 
why and when we should do this transformation and what is the cons potential consequence. Because at the end, if this group of people, no matter how junior they are, if they can create a sense of urgency with some key influencer within the company, they will gradually help you to do the pitching as well. Because there's, of course, you need to do something to scare them, right? You just put something <laughs> in spreadsheet. Oh, we actually, the productivity is lower and lower and lower. And then uh, we are doing quarterly deployment now, stuff like that. So, yeah. so, so that you, because in a way, you need to be like a translator. You need to talk in a way that the other side can understand. Even though sometimes when you both are speaking in English, but uh, different domains speak different kind of language. Uh, yeah. I'm sure you understand. Yeah. So, so that uh, you need to communicate in a way that the other side understand so that he will be able to join your tribe to do the pitching together. I think this is the way that I will do if I am a junior team member again. Uh, but of course, it's very, very tough because uh, many people will give up because it's so tough uh, yeah. and it's a very lonely journey. But I would say that if this change is really, really important to you, if you want to be a good product manager down the road, you need to do it no matter what. And that's why the whole outcome driven things that uh, the PM should be, I think is a, is a, is a testing to, to see whether you have this kind of mindset. Mm -hmm. Okay, fantastic. Thank you so much. So okay. now we go to the last part, which is um, the song that I wanted you to, to recommend to, to listeners. Um, yeah. And, you know, with the whole a feel, a, an approach of the conversation, I, can, I think I can already predict why, but I'm still going to ask you anyway. So you chose um, the song Change um, by yeah. Taylor Swift. Um, so first yeah. of all, my first question before, before I ask you to explain a bit more, did you choose it because of the song or because you are actually a Taylor Swift fan? I chose it because you said you don't have enough female audience. <laughs> Just kidding. No, I think uh, a lot of my songs, to be honest, is in Chinese. Uh, but I, I particular pick. I also like Taylor Swift, but but I'm not like those big fans. But I, I think this song uh, 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 helped me to uh, go through a very difficult period when I. Uh, have a very tough time uh, when I was building my own startup. Mm -hmm. I think uh, if you if you uh, look at the lyrics, you, you should feel that it kind of like an entrepreneurship kind of journey that you need to uh, beat the bigger guy with limited resources and, and you need to keep uh, your head up and keep trying and trying and trying. At the end, hopefully you will win like the song said. Uh, but, but I guess, I, I, think, I think the song was actually for uh, Olympic <laughs> a few years ago. <laughs> okay, it's okay. actually not, definitely not about what I said, but, but I think it actually can apply to that kind of angle. Okay, so so the, the question also, since you listen, you do listen to Taylor Swift, whether you're a big fan or not, yeah. is a different story. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So yeah. should Taylor Swift fans be known as Swifties or are they Taylors or Tay-Tay? What, what, I have no opinion. <laughs> <laughs> I don't even know what that means. <laughs> yeah, because... Yeah. Yeah. Okay, because yeah, some people write about that online, but, but I don't really care. <laughs> <laughs> okay, okay. So as usual, the the link um is is probably up there somewhere when 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 we started the the, the topic, and also yeah. at the end uh, of the of the show, there will be a link there to to the song. So do listen mm -hmm. to it, especially if you are a product manager who's trying to implement change, or if you're an entrepreneur who's trying to, you know, fight. 
Um, yes, Taylor Swift's Change, as recommended by Vincent. Um, so I think that's it for, for today. Um, I want to thank you so much, Vincent, for taking the time to be on the show. Um, as I mentioned earlier, I really am thankful that you took the time, even though, you know, Gogovan is like really planning some some big stuff. So really thank you for that. And hopefully the next time I get you on the show, you can tell us about all these super big plans, you know, all these shrouded in secrecy stuff. Sure, sure, sure. Thanks so much for having me again. All right. So ladies and gentlemen, that was Vincent Chan, the Director of Product Management at Gogovan. And he joined the show all the way from Hong Kong. Uh, for all our viewers and listeners, thank you again for all your support so far. If you have questions that you wanted to ask, you know, feel free to put it in the comments. Or if you want to you know, suggest, give some feedback, suggest anything, um, you can also feel free to email me at uh, productuncensored at gmail.com. If you enjoyed today's show on YouTube, as usual, please like, subscribe. Uh, or if you are listening to the podcast, follow and download. And if you want to know more about Product Uncensored, please visit our website at www.productuncensored.com. So until our next episode, please stay safe, keep rocking, and don't be afraid of change. See you and bye-bye.